0: Welcome to Stall Warning, a show talking all things lacrosse. I am your host, Ponchito Ojeda. And joining me today is South Carolina head coach and reigning national champions, James Harkey.
1: Coach, how you doing? I'm very well. How are you?
0: Dude, I am awesome. I am glad to be moving into phase two and not being on total lockdown in my house with two kids.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I can't say that I can... See eye to eye with you there. Being in South Carolina, we've been uh, pretty loose with our restrictions for a little while now.
0: Yes, the, the land of the free and the land of the rising coronavirus
1: cases. <laughs> right, right. right.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, one of my nurse friends lives in Fort Mill and she uh, posts on Facebook every day about how many cases are being out each day. So I get I get regular updates on your on your state.
1: <laughs> well I mean, you know, uh personally, um we I've been my wife and I have been pretty smart about trying to be take precautions and wear masks and all the things that um they're recommending and saying to do. Um you know my wife works in healthcare so thankfully I've I can lean on her as far as uh, her opinion of whether or not something is, uh, legit or, Oh, you don't need to worry about this or that. Um, so we've been trying to be smart and respectful of our neighbors, um, and hoping that sports can resume as normal as possible, as quickly as possible.
0: I know, right. Uh, Uh, it's brutal not having any live sports to watch. I've, I've watched enough recorded lacrosse games now. I am just like, okay, well, I can't watch a 2011 Duke Notre Dame national championship again, uh, can
1: <laughs> I? <laughs> yeah, you start uh, to remember all the plays before they happen, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. All of a sudden, you are not on the edge of your seat at all. You are actually like not even looking at the TV. You are kind of like staring at your phone while it's listening in the background, <laughs> right? Um, that's great, man. And so you are, and you practice law, so you are is the is is the I was gonna say the lawyer field that's completely inaccurate. Is the uh, legal uh, field pretty busy right now, or is it kind of quieting down? How's that working?
1: Um, it's it's interesting. Um, there, nothing is normal. You know, uh, court is not operating as it uh, had and and was before uh, mid March. Um, so you know, everybody's just doing the best they can do uh there are a lot of virtual hearings um you know we're trying our best to resolve things amicably um and but you know from a business perspective uh there's not a heck of a lot going on i mean there's there's things that i'm working on there i'm so i've certainly been busy but uh, there's not a lot of new work coming in the door left and right. Um, I think everybody's just taking a, taking a deep breath and a little bit of a wait-and-see approach for how life is going to shake out. Sure, sure. Did you watch The Tiger King at all? A uh, little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, we uh, I forget exactly how we went about it, but uh, my wife and I ended up watching the whole series over time.
0: Nice. I just remember, you know, I, that show was crazy and there's some crazy <laughs> yeah, right. stuff that happens. I mean, those people, holy smokes. I, I can't. <laughs> wow. But uh, there was a scene in there where the Jeff Lowe guy has like a court hearing or, or something. I didn't even know it was possible to do this from like inside a jail with a judge. And then the judge is like, do you agree to plead to this or something? I don't know. And then he, he leaves and all of a sudden he's got a felony. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and uh I'd love in another time to pick your brain on what that whole process was. But uh sure. yeah. um anyhow, that show uh is very different from your team, which uh recently won a national championship. Uh but let's let's take a step back here and you know before we dive into kind of your story, which is is super cool, um, let's talk about your twenty twenty year. You know, so your your year of defending the national champion is now gonna run instead of just twelve months, it's gonna run more like twenty four. Um, and you're currently 9 and 2 on that campaign. You know, how was the 2020 season shaping up for you guys?
1: Uh, it was, you know, in retrospect it was difficult for all the reasons that everybody had to deal with, just the the abrupt ending and uh kind of, you know, for us as a group, we were not able to ever get together and and have any kind of uh, discussion or, or, um, you know, triage where we discuss, you know, the team and what's going on in the world and say our goodbyes. We weren't able to do any of that. The, the apocalyptic news came down while my guys were on spring break. Um, I think coach Arminio said the same. And, um, it was, it was interesting. I like, like he said, like JJ said, we had guys all over the place. Uh, we had some guys overseas in Spain that were scrambling to, you know, get new plane flights home because there was concern that the borders were going to be closed and all that kind of thing. Uh, Um, so, but you know, from a, um, from a bird's eye view perspective on the season and the team that we had, um, we won nine games to start and we dropped our last two right before going out on spring break and, uh, and then all of a sudden we're done. And so my, my biggest uh, regret or disappointment in all that is that we did not have the opportunity to, um, to work on some of the things that we were exposed on. Uh, you know, we dropped two in a row on back-to-back days, so difficult to um, you know assess and and uh, work on some of some of those things. Um, so you know, didn't get the didn't get a chance to see how our guys were going to respond to that adversity. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I love getting on and talking about these kinds of things in a public forum uh because I have no qualms saying out loud uh on the podcast the same things that I told our guys in the moment and leading up to it. You know, uh there were we had a lot of talent. We had a lot of talent on last year's team. And um we started off very strong. We went down to Louisiana and played LSU and Texas AM and um you know I thought we came out of the gates very well and we were sharing the ball really well we were unselfish as a group um and somewhere along the line as we were moving forward um there were some things that uh that were going on that you know were little warning signs and we kept trying to focus on those things and say the they're gonna bite us if, you know, when we get up against a team that can take advantage of these things. And um and sure enough, that happened. And again, the 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 only unfortunate part there is that we weren't able to see how our guys uh responded to that adversity. And um I had a lot of confidence that we were gonna come back in and refocus and uh, work hard as a group to uh, correct some of those issues, but we'll never know.
0: Right. right, right. Well, you know, we'll just assume that you you were and it was going to be another championship run, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's great to talk about uh, and we should do a, probably do a separate podcast on this, but it's great to talk about, you know, ways in which to coach your team on handling adversity because I think it's it's so true, right? A lot of teams start the season and we, we talk about this at at uh, Tech was, if we started the season well. We we're four zero to start the season, and and then we we dropped the game against Clemson, and it was it was the exact same problems we talked about all season long. Like guys, we can't play like this and, and win games. You know, right now we've been kind of fortunate, a little bit of lucky, and uh, you know, it, it, fortunately we got a game after that to see how we handled it, and, and our guys proved that they they can. But uh, yeah, it's 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 difficult. So I think it's a great great thing to talk about so um but you guys are off to a great start and i'm i have no doubt you guys would have bounced back um having seen a little bit of film you guys are a very talented squad i'm looking forward to our game next year and wish we could have had one this year but uh let's take a step back and look into kind of your story and where you came from and maybe how you've gotten to where you are today and let's start all the way back in your high school days which for you isn't that long ago um but you played uh, out in loudon valley high school which, as I was telling, uh, as I was talking on the, sh- the pre-show with with Coach here, that's the middle of nowhere when I was growing up, but now it's starting to become, you know, kind of a suburb of DC. But tell us a little bit what it was like to grow up out there in in lacrosse and that experience, kind of in the in the country, if you will.
1: Yeah, uh, I loved it. Uh, I loved it. It was rolling hills, farm country, uh, Appalachian foothills. Um, and yeah, when I was in high school, uh, I lived, we lived in a town called Waterford, which is uh, close to, to Lovett'sville and um, Harper's Ferry, right where West Virginia, Virginia and Maryland all come together. Um, and the high school, Loudoun Valley, uh, was located in Percival, which was about a 20, 25 minute drive for me to get to from my house. And then I had friends that lived 20, 30, 40 minutes in the opposite direction towards Middleburg um, or, you know, out uh, towards West Virginia. And so it was it was pretty interesting uh, how widespread our high schools was. Um, but it's changed drastically since since I graduated in 2006. And there's a number of new schools that have opened up since then. And, uh, the suburban sprawl um, has continued to to creep out west that way, and um, you know I haven't been out to Western Lyon County in a couple years, uh, three or four years, I guess. And um, it's still beautiful out there, but uh, but it definitely it's it's different than what I remember growing up.
0: Yeah, well, I mean. Yeah. I, a totally different world. We uh, we drive obviously back from from Blacksburg up to uh, DC area where I grew up in Fairfax County, um, which is adjacent to Loudoun County, and we drive through the kind of Warrenton, uh, Gainesville type of area. And that used to be, I mean, like literally nowhere. And now it's, I mean, there's tons of buildings and uh, shopping centers and houses. It's, I mean, DC's just getting massive. So, yeah. um, but anyway, so you play at Loudon Valley. You end in, uh, 2006 as a USLIA All-American. Congratulations. That's a heck of a feat coach. Um, and then you, you choose to go to university of Maryland, Baltimore County, um, with the retrievers and legendary coach, uh, Don Zimmerman. You tell us about like, how did you choose that process or how do you choose that school rather? And, uh, and then kind of tell us about your experience there.
1: Sure. Um, well, the the decision process, you know, recruiting is interesting. Um, you know, my own experience, experiences that I've had since with athletes as a coach. I think the whole process is interesting because, um, you know, it, it's it's like you're it's like you're doing matchmaking, but you don't really have an opportunity to to really know uh what it's going to be like once you're in the midst of it um I think for both sides you don't really know what kind of athletes you're going to get uh by the virtue of the you know little bit that you get to know them when you're doing the recruiting process you really don't know what it's like when you're on campus when you're only visiting for a weekend or a couple of weekends and um so for me, um, I, I early on, I, you know, was discussing, uh, I was talking to every coach that was expressing any interest in me. Um, and as I went around and visited a, met a lot of different places, um, I landed on two, uh, options And those were UMBC with Coach Zim and the Naval Academy. And uh, I was being recruited by Coach Tillman, who was an assistant at Navy at the time. Um, And I've got a a lot of my extended family uh, are Navy folks. My grandfather went to the Naval Academy. I have three uncles and uh four cousins now that uh have went to or are currently in, at the naval Academy um and so you know I already i had that kind of in my blood and that uh it was exciting for me that they were um pursuing me but it didn't go very far uh because I had a tough time getting a nomination out of northern Virginia and uh so I, I i don't want to, I don't want it to come across that UMBC was a default choice for me. That's not, not really uh, how I would say, but, but it, it kind of shook out that uh, UMBC was the, was the choice. Navy didn't become an option. And then of the other choices that I had, I, I, none of them spoke to me the way that uh, UMBC did. And, uh, and there was two factors. It was coach Zim and the people that he surrounded himself with. Um, you know, I, I had great assistants during the time that I was there and, uh, Rob Cross, Kevin Warren, Pat Tracy, Andy Gallagher, um, great lacrosse minds, but, but really good people. And, um, and the, and the guys on the team, you know, uh, again, it, it's, it's tough to really know and, and get a feel for the atmosphere and camaraderie that you'll be a part of when you're just doing a couple weekend visits and this or that. But, you know, uh, there was something about UMBC and the way that the guys interacted, the way that they treated each other and talked to each other that, um, that resonated with me. And, you know, so that on top of the opportunity to learn from a Hall of Fame coach in in uh, Zim, uh, you know, it was a no brainer. And I spent five years there and I loved every bit of it. I mean, there were ups and downs and I definitely had uh, some some struggles and adversity throughout my career. But um, but. All of it was enjoyable. Uh, I, you know, my best friends to this day are, are guys that I played with, uh, at UMBC. And, um, yeah, I had a phenomenal experience.
0: That's awesome. You know, it's, uh, it's funny. Your, your sharing, talking about how you land on UMBC kind of reminds me, I, I often tell young men and, and women to not, not lose sight of the fact that like their dream may be to go to school a or school B or whatever it is. And they may end up at a different school from that dream, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the wrong match. You know, I, I said when I was a kid, I, I said, I'm going to the South. Like I thought I want to go to like Florida state or something like that. And, um, I said that all growing up, I was like, I don't want to go to the cold. I want to be in the warm weather, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I applied to Marquette by happen chance. I literally got a mailer. I was like, Oh, that school looks kind of cool. I'll, apply there. And so I applied and I got in and I remember visiting and it was, um, <clears throat> I've told the story before, but it was Easter weekend. There was no one on campus. It was like 40 degrees and raining and it was awful. Like the weather was awful. And, uh, there's no reason to want to go there, but that city just spoke to me, you know? And, um, and so I ended up there and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I think, I think your story about UMBC is often the same, like, you know, maybe is maybe it was between A and B. Right, but you ended up there for all the right reasons. Sometimes that, that match is not so clear at the time, but looking back, you can kind of see how it comes to fruition. <clears throat> and I just try to tell guys not to lose sight of that because if you get so caught up on like, well, I want to be at Hopkins or or nowhere, you know, when you end up at like a something other than Hopkins, you know, Albany, Hartford, UMBC, you know, whatever, some other school, that doesn't mean it's a bad experience, you know. So, sure, uh, good keep that in mind. Um, so you do five years at UMBC, you guys have some good success. You you know, you had a couple of really good years. Um, in fact, you guys lost in, uh, in 07, I think it was to Delaware in the, in the quarters in overtime. Was that the,
1: uh, no, it didn't come down to overtime, but it was a tight game. Um, yeah, that was, uh, it was a great year. Uh, a lot of fun that year. Uh, that was my freshman year, and um, uh, I had a, a little bit of an up and down year. I played early on. Um, you know, I uh, I didn't play very much in the middle of the year. I was, you know, still figuring things out, figuring out how to go about things, how to you know how to be a good teammate, how to uh, work for my personal goals, but, you know, not at the expense of the team and and that sort of thing. Um, and then at the end of that year, uh, I was back on the field again and, uh, played a lot, uh, in the, in the playoffs, uh, in our conference playoffs, in the, uh, NCAA playoffs, Mm -hmm. um, great experiences. And, uh, yeah it was tough. We we dropped that game uh, against Delaware at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. and um, you know, it was one of those things. It, it was a weird game. It was kind of low scoring and um, we I think we felt like we were had we were the better team and it just wasn't our day that day. And I always um, wish that we had had an opportunity to break through there because uh, the next game, if we had won against Delaware, we would have played Hopkins in the semifinals and ended up going on to win the whole thing that year, if, if memory serves me correctly. And um, we had played them – at Hopkins that, that earlier in that regular season. And it was a, it was a tight game. And I just feel like, uh, we all thought and had, had a, had an attitude that if we saw them again, sorry. Uh, if we saw them again, we, we were gonna, we had their number, we were going to beat them. And, uh, never got that opportunity unfortunately but uh but it was a great year and yeah i had uh, awesome experience we had a uh, a couple of great runs and um a lot of a lot of great guys uh doing it all together you know uh even the years that uh we weren't as happy with how the win loss record turned out um you know, we still had great group of guys and, um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll always cherish those, uh, those memories, those experiences.
0: For sure. And it's probably one of the big reasons you got into coaching is because that camaraderie and that fellowship is something that, uh, is never, never leaves your blood. And when you don't have it, you strongly desire it. And, well, when you can't play, you got to find another way to get it. Um, <laughs> I, I so, couldn't
1: say it better. I couldn't say it better.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you, so you finish up at UMBC, which, by the way, in 07, you guys did beat in-state rival Maryland, which I think should be noted because always exciting uh, when you do that. Uh, but you finish up UMBC and you head down to South Carolina to go to law school. You take a bit of a hiatus from lacrosse. Uh, you know, give yourself a chance to kind of breathe easy, focus on school. And then, uh, and then move back into lacrosse at a future date. Um, you you can talk a little bit about that if you'd like. You know, you you kind of said a few things at the beginning of this call, but, uh, then in 2015, you joined back on the staff as the defensive coordinator, and then you ended up taking over in 16. So tell us a little bit about kind of that process of getting back involved in the game, and then, uh, and then we can talk about your time at South Carolina.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, when I first got down here, um, I I came out to a couple of practices here and there, um, but I I came to law school without any real understanding or background. You know, none none of my immediate family uh, are lawyers, and so I kind of was jumping, feet, uh, you know, headfirst into a a new world for me. Um, and so I was really putting an emphasis and a premium on focusing on school and, you know, what I needed to do to, to be successful. Um, and lacrosse took a back seat. And, you know, it wasn't really an intentional thing, but uh, that that uh, hiatus, that break, I think, did wonders for me from a standpoint of. You know, it, it's tough, but certainly I would say, uh, you know, we mentioned earlier, burnout is probably not the best term. I wouldn't say that I was burned out, but after five years playing NCAA, um, there was a little bit of fatigue, surely. And, you know, uh, focusing on something else and doing something else, uh, specifically law school, um, for a couple of years and not having anything to do with the game, really helped me to realize how much passion that I have for the game, um, and everything that goes with it, the camaraderie, the, you know, the work, um, practices and, and putting in effort to achieve goals, um, all that, you know, it's not that, I, I probably, when I got back involved in 2015, the light bulb went on and said, wow, I, I didn't even realize how much I missed all of this and, um, uh, you know, jumped back in with, uh, with abandon and, uh, have enjoyed every minute of it. And, uh, you know, it's been mm-hmm certainly my, the, the passion, my day job pays the bills, but, uh, I think I'm, uh, on a moment to moment basis. I'm much more passionate about coaching and, and what we're doing as a group, as a team.
0: For sure. No doubt about it. And that passion paid off. I mean, you guys got to the, in you know, 2019 championship and won it. So that was awesome. Um, Let's talk about your, your takeover. So you, you in twenty fifteen you're you're coaching with um Adam Rath and and then in twenty sixteen you take over and you know tell me about the experience of you know in, in fifteen you guys were eight and three at a good year and kind of competitive and then in twenty sixteen you guys go six and six as your first year as head coach, you know, that obviously that there must have been some challenges along the way and how did that how'd you guys navigate that and, and find your way forward to just two years or excuse me, just three years later
1: becoming national champs? Sure. Um, you know, I think uh, we, we had a great team in 2015. Uh, we had a great team in 2016, but uh, the win loss record was probably more reflective of me uh, learning on the job and uh, figuring out how best to go about that, that walk in the, the fine line of uh, being a dictator and versus being um, a, a a confidant and a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, somebody that but not a buddy, not a friend, but, you know, a a, a colleague, somebody that's in it with you. Um, that's definitely it was a learning process for me to figure out how to mold my messaging so that the guys understood that I'm here working with you. I'm not here to uh, strong arm you. I'm not here on a power trip. Um, but uh, same token, you there's there's ha, does have to be um, a structure of authority and you know taking direction um, with open lines of communication uh, for for putting the group and as a whole on the right path. So I think, you know we've always uh, ever since I've been involved the the talent level um, of the group here at South Carolina has been tremendous and you know so i'll I'll bear full responsibility for the five hundred year in two thousand and sixteen as um, you know as baby steps and and learning how to How to best go about the job while on the job, Um, so you know probably wasn't great for the guys that were juniors and seniors of those teams uh, because you know that that's their prime time. They want to make the best of it, and but you know I'm very thankful to all those guys um, for trusting in me and sticking with me, and um, you know seeing the potential. Uh, beyond what was showing up on, you know, paper results at the end of the year. Um, yeah, you're
0: talking, about the, uh, you're talking about this idea that co- Coach former Sonoma State coach, Coach Carl, always talked about, which is that um, it's a meritocracy, right? Like there's a there's got to be a combination of player involvement and player input, but then there also has to be a, a definitive line at which you say, like, "Well, that's in the coach's wheelhouse, and what the coach says goes." And that's a that's a tough line to draw. And I think it's harder at bigger schools and smaller schools, um, just because there's more distractions. But it's it's forever an issue that that MSLA coaches are saddled with. And you know, something you learn in in 2015 or 2016, you know, is going to pay dividends down the road. But then again, you know, in 2020 or 2021 now, you're probably going to see a whole new animal that you're going to have to you know readjust and reaffirm. I mean, it's it's not a simple process, I don't think.
1: Oh, no. Well, like you're saying, uh, every team is different because each year you're dealing with a different collection of personalities. And, uh, even if you maybe only lose a couple and add a couple and the, the, uh, various pieces remain somewhat consistent, the personality of every team, in my opinion, changes dramatically year in and year out. Um, and so, you know, I, um, I read something interesting the last couple of months. Um, I, I, I can't remember who said this or where I got it from, but, uh, the, the gist of it was if you cannot describe your culture in, um, a couple of words, then you really don't have one. And I found that it interesting and it kind of shook me up a little bit as far as making me think uh, introspectively what what is our group what is our culture and so I think I would say in a word uh, the culture that we've built at South Carolina is one of communication and um, you know that's it's not something that you can just hey say oh this is our culture and then walk away from it and assume that everything is going to be great. I think it's something that you have to continue to work at uh, day in and day out. But, um, you know, whether you're talking about on the field or off the field, that's what I've tried to espouse is a culture of communication where guys can come to me and be open and honest about what's going on with them, whether it's something on the field and gameplay and hey, I'm not getting enough burn, coach. And what what can I do? Or, um, you know, something in their personal lives, in their education, in their family lives, whatever. Um, And so from my perspective, I think that that has helped us uh, to be to to put together some pretty good teams um, just by that that one constant of trying to espouse open communication.
0: Sure, that's great. Uh, I think it's a, that's a key, it's a key component for MCLA teams. You know, I think it's different in Division One than it is in the MCLA and that type of type of stuff. So, um, that's great. And, and you've obviously built a great culture. You know, tell so tell us quickly. You know about this uh, this run in twenty nineteen. You know, uh, give us the the low and dirty. How did you guys get to the uh, to the championship game, and then how did you guys get the win over Cal, a team that I saw that year uh, multiple times and Frankly, I I thought they would. Well, I thought they'd be where they were in the in the national championship game. And I you know, uh, you guys are able to get that W. Tell us a little about that process or that experience.
1: Sure, uh, it was it was a fun year. Um, yeah, we did some. Uh, so, you know, MCLA, like you said, there's there's intricacies and differences between NCAA ball, and one of those is how do you approach spring break um, so for us particularly uh, we've come to this arrangement a kind of an unspoken agreement where uh, we will do a spring break uh, team trip uh, once every couple of years and that way you know uh, guys can have an opportunity to experience the the you know, non-student athlete, co- collegiate spring break, and um, you know those. In my mind, those are the some of the reasons why uh, athletes choose to play MCLA ball versus NCAA. Uh, a lot of them, as you well know, guys are talented enough to play all sorts of places, uh, Division one through Division three, and sometimes they make choices to play. And at the MCLA level because they want different things uh, and and maybe it's more of a freedom to be able to do other activities, other uh, efforts into other things beyond just athletics. Um, so I've tried to embrace that as much as possible. And uh, in 2019 was a year that we decided we were going to take a spring break Trip as a group, and uh, we went out to California. Um, played against Chapman, uh, UCSB, and BYU. Met us out there, and um, it was great. I mean, those. I I as a coach, I think those kinds of trips, where you're take getting a plane ride under your belt, uh, having to navigate. Not being at home and uh, on the road for a couple of days. I think those are really important uh, when it comes down to postseason as far as those experiences. How do you handle it as a group? How do you handle it as an individual? And uh, learning from those experiences and, and hoping to maximize it if you get an opportunity to ultimately. You know, go to the national championship where you have to lean on those experiences. So, right. um, you know, so we uh, it was an up and down trip for us in California. We, I should say, a down and up trip. We got out there and played Chapman right away the day after flying in, and uh, and they worked us. Um, I think it was a five goal game at the end of the day, but it wasn't that close. Uh, you know, they they pulled away early and. Um, and it was good, uh, for a lot of reasons, learning experiences. And, and I think we did, I think we did a good job of, uh, taking the opportunity to get better and not hanging our heads and, and saying, woe is me. And, um, when we turned it around and, and got wins, uh, uh, against UCSB who I, I'm pretty sure they had a tough year record-wise uh, in 19, but but they were a good team. I, they, we played them in a two goal game, um, and then I played BYU in a neutral site and uh, and uh, I think we held them to five goals or less, and that was pretty exciting for our guys. I mean, you know, certainly BYU has a great tradition. Um, and, and a lot of success in our league. And, uh, so that trip as a whole, um, the, the front end, the learning experiences, the back end, the, you know, confidence that the, the wins, uh, the two wins at the back end gave our guys and the camaraderie and, and, um, you know, family atmosphere that you're able to build up when you're all together. Uh, for, you know, a whole week like that without many distractions in the way of school and girlfriends and bars and whatever. Um, It was it was great. It was a great experience. And so we forward and um, I can't remember off the top of my head the exact uh, order of of what came next. but. uh, had some, some up and down games, uh, dropped a close game. I'm pretty sure it was a one goal game, um, at Liberty. And, and then we didn't lose again. We didn't lose after, uh, losing at Liberty. And, um, it was great. Uh, the guys, you know, they, they worked hard. Uh, they came together and, uh, were a great group, um, you know we i still think we had our ups and downs and had some adversity throughout the the rest of the way but uh but we we steadily built uh on our success and tried to put one foot after the other and, and get a little bit better each each time out and um you know ultimately we're able to take take the whole thing and i think um so one of the things that you and I talked about before jumping on here was uh mm-hmm. The, the secret sauce, so to speak, uh, uh as you've been talking with coaches, um, uh, you know, for, for me, one of the things, uh, that I think was a key to our success at the national tournament, um, was our depth and, you know, With the format that we have at nationals, uh, you know, first round Monday, second round Tuesday, uh, semifinals on Thursday, finals on Saturday. That is grueling, and um, you know, for from the perspective of that whole week as well as just game to game, uh, one of the things that I've tried to do with our group is. To play as many guys as we can, not not from a um, everybody get a trophy type of perspective, but more, you know, if if we can afford to uh, play six and seven attackmen, six and seven defensemen, and ten plus middies uh, throughout the year, we might take some lumps here and there as we're figuring out how to how to best go about that. Cause it is a fine line. Um, but I think at the, if we're able to learn and figure out how to do that in an effective manner, it makes you really dangerous at the end of the season. And, uh, I do, I definitely think that that helped us, um, helped us against Liberty against Chapman against Cal, uh, in the, in the national tournament. And, um, you know, if we're able to put out 40 guys against our opponents, 25 or so, I think at the end of the game in the fourth quarter, particularly, you know, we're still juiced up a little bit and can smash down on the gas pedal. And uh, it's tough for, for a lot of teams to keep up. Um, so I think that helped us. And if my memory is correct – um I don't believe we gave up more than a single goal in any fourth quarter in Utah. Um and that's something it's uh we were sitting there after the in after the game against Cal, uh, you know, taking pictures, enjoying time with our families, and uh just soaking it up. And uh, Colin Haynes, our goalie uh player of the year came up and, and made that comment to me in the moment. He said, you know, Hey coach, I, I don't think we gave up more than a single goal in any of the last, you know, four or five games. And uh, I hadn't thought about it, you know, like that. I hadn't framed it like that in my mind until he said it. And, and um, it was validating from my opinion uh, as far as what, what we've been telling the guys and uh at least i think i got a little bit of uh validation from them from a standpoint of oh we see see what you're trying to get at and uh you're not just you know being a jerk and telling me i have to sit on the bench for a couple of minutes Mm -hmm. um so it was great it was a lot of fun we had um One of the things that I've continued to repeat for a lot of guys as well, uh, in discussing that year and, and the, the playoff run was, um, I was really proud of our guys in the moment in Utah of handling all of the things, you know, um, there aren't, there aren't the distractions like we just talked about. You're, you're, you know, all in Utah with, really one thing on your minds and that's lacrosse and, and being successful when the games roll around. Um, but I really do think that our, our group of guys did a very good job of smelling the roses and enjoying themselves in the moment. Um, we were focused on the task at hand, but not so hyper-focused that, they weren't enjoying themselves. And I think that made a difference as well. You know, we were out having fun and I think it showed on the field.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they talk about it all the time, right? Like if you overthink the pressure of the moment, you won't succeed. But if you can just go through the process and trust your preparedness, then, you know, your best effort will be good enough. Um, and that's, uh, it's easier said than done, but that's that's the idea behind it. So, um, that's that's great. That's great. And uh, you know, heck of a year, and congratulations again on the win um, and getting that championship trophy. It was a uh, it was a win over, over a very talented Cal team and, and very talented Chapman team in the semis. Um, not to mention Liberty in the in the round before that, and Santa Clara as well in the round before that. I, th- I thought your your stretch was one of the tougher ones, just in terms of. Combination of really good athletic teams and Santa Clara and Chapman, and then obviously Liberty's always very well disciplined and you know knows the game really well. And then and then Cal was a combination of both of those. So I thought it was a you kind of got to you kind of had to beat all the all the types of opponents. Um, and and your depth comment is incredibly interesting. You, know, you probably weren't following the MCLA during this time, but when Michigan went to the Division One, which was in 2011, I think 2010. I don't remember the, year. but anyways, their their last year they lost in the semifinals to ASU, and I was at that game and I remember watching Arizona State expend such effort to get that win. I mean, just just Ryan Westfall must have played fifty eight of the sixty minutes, and he's a midi. I mean, he was just exhausted, and uh, and the the attackman Eric Nelson, I think his name was, was was same same boat, and uh, I remember seeing that they just they just didn't have everything left in the tank when it came to the championship game. Cause back then it was only, it was a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So you only had one day off the whole week. And, uh, I remember thinking like, you know, not that BYU didn't deserve the championship. They certainly, they did. They won the game, but I was like, I'd be interested to see if, if Arizona state had had another day off, if they could have got the W, you know, uh, but it was interesting. So, Anyhow, coach, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh you want to give us any, any insights into your 2021 schedule?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, uh it's it's coming together. I uh some unknowns still and trying to, you know, kind of flesh it out a little bit, but um looking like we're gonna take a trip out to Arizona, which uh we're excited about. And um you know, uh, I mean, I even with uh, you know the the we haven't really talked about it today, but the the breakup of of our conference, um, I, you know, I personally think there are there are a lot of great teams out there, and there are certainly conferences that are loaded with with a lot of competitiveness. Um, I think the SELC, the last couple of years, was at the forefront of that as far as just how deep the conference was um and so i think it's great um that that we're dividing in order to um kind of strike that balance of uh well it definitely makes our job easier as far as getting out of conference games um but you know so we have maintained uh, quite a few games uh, with, uh, you know, like you guys at VT and, and Clemson and um, uh, Liberty, and uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll continue to have great relationships with all those groups and teams. And uh, so, you know, I think our – the difficulty of the schedule, I think, is going to be uh, pretty darn tough, um, and we're excited. We're excited uh, to see how the new SCLC shakes out, and to continue to play all our our foes uh, and the likes of y'all that now make up the the ALC. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, no, no, no doubt. I mean, like what you just said right there is this 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 division is is uh a hundred percent for the betterment of of both the north and the south, right? Like it just it makes our lives easier. It gives all of us a better access to automatic qualifiers. It's more in line with what other conferences throughout the country have and it, it just makes perfect sense. And I think that it was cool it was really cool and, and we can maybe do another podcast on on this stuff with some other coaches as well. But it was really fun to have multiple coaches from both the north and the south get on and talk about this and debate it and discuss and like really vet if this even made sense you know and and not just kind of have a couple of you know people ringleaders I thought it was a really um, well thought- out process from from everybody so um, but yeah man I'm pumped to play you guys I think it'll be fun and uh, should be good've I've heard the the environment down in in uh, Colombia's Uh shall I say interesting?
1: Uh Uh, it can it can get rowdy. I mean um you know we uh have the there are all the rules, you know, we on campus we're not supposed to have uh alcoholic beverages or any of that uh on any of the on campus facilities. Uh so but you know, I mean college kids will do as they will. And, uh, I don't know, I'm not in the middle of it, so I can't say what, what's actually going on, but I, I am guessing there's a heck of a lot of pre-gaming going on before, uh, before coming out to some of our games, especially the, the Friday and Saturday night games. Um, but I, I, love it. I mean, I welcome that. And, uh, and honestly, I love it both ways. I mean, it's great to have the home field advantage, uh go in your direction but uh I enjoy it when you're the opponent the visitor as well I mean we had that experience uh down in Tallahassee this uh this past spring against Florida State and uh similar you know atmosphere environment a lot of a lot of rowdiness uh but like I said I I love it and uh I th- I think it's good for the sport overall as far as uh, generating excitement and interest and uh, we thankfully have been able to get a good deal of local support from uh, students and, and the local community uh, that have enjoyed coming to our games and supporting us and we hope it continues.
0: Awesome, coach. Well, we are uh, we are out of time. We're actually over our time for the day, which is great. Really enjoyed this conversation. So, thanks for coming on. Uh, do you have any last words for the people before we go?
1: Uh, thank you very much for having me. Um, you know, <laughs> I guess I'll say this: in the time that in the time that we're living in right now, uh, please wear your masks. Uh, they're more for your neighbor than for you. And uh, Black Lives Matter.
0: Love it, Coach. couldn't Couldn't agree more. Stand with you on both those comments. So, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it, and thank you all for listening today. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at one hundred and one underscore lax or on Twitter and Facebook at one hundred and one lacrosse. Make sure you like, subscribe, review the podcast, all those great things. And until next time, see ya.